Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Stevenson. My guest today is Faye Schofield from the Brook Charity. The Brook has recently been the charity of the year at Bowlesworth International. One of their ambassadors is Charlotte Desjardins. And this weekend, they announced Jessica Mendoza as an ambassador too. They're a great charity and Faye's going to share all her experiences, including going for a visit to Pakistan to see how the charity firsthand helps horses, donkeys and mules. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Uh, we have a guest today who I've been looking forward to talking to for a long time because we've seen them a lot on social media. They do great work for horse welfare. It's Faye Schofield from The Brook. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Really good, thank you. Can you explain to us what's your role, just to start with, what's your role at The Brook, Faye? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm social media manager for Brook. Um, it's my job to basically uh, manage Brook's presence across social media, so Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, it's all about sort of raising awareness um, of our work overseas, um, obviously communicating with supporters um, and yeah, just basically keeping our online audience informed about what Brooke's doing to help working horses donkeys and mules in a nutshell (laughs) and and working horses and donkeys and mules are they the ones that have to cart you know drag the carts around and they're they're working in really hot heat or do you do things with the UK as well uh, no, so the Brook only works overseas, so we work in 11 countries across Asia, Africa um, and Central America, um, so obviously we have teams out in each um, in each of the countries or we have we partner up with different organisations out there, um, we work with so many different types of equines that do um, really varied work, so everything from um, donkeys working in coal mines in Pakistan um, to horses working in brick kilns in India um, so the Brooks work is very much about um, obviously kind of working with the communities that use like that use these animals in order to make an income um, and obviously doing sort of community engagement and training um, we also work really heavily um, with service providers out in country um, so government so everything from government vets and doing training um, with those guys to farriers um, so yeah <laughs> it's, it's about education as well because I think the tricky thing is is the people that own these animals that they're making a living and the only way that they can make a living is by having the animals and using them but it's ensuring that that 
the horses, the donkeys and the mules are looked after, well looked after, well fed, well cared for, not overworked. You've yeah. got a very, very big mission, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, the brook um, hit a milestone last year where we actually reached two million working equines in a year. Um, wow. So, I mean, but there's there's a hundred million working equines worldwide. So it's just the tip of the iceberg. Hold on, let's um, just take that number in. A hundred million working yeah. equines. Yeah, around the world. So that's yeah that's <laughs> it's insane a, it's a huge it's a huge huge number um but obviously you know we're just we're doing everything that we can and this is why social media is really really important for the brook um not only because it allows us to obviously connect with our supporters and you know inform them of what's going on but it's um a great way to be able to raise funds as well for the brook so um to be able to raise money in that way so i mean just a couple of weeks ago we actually launched um an emergency appeal in Kenya. So there was a drought that hit Kenya, um, was declared a national disaster by the Kenyan government. Um, government aid had started for people and livestock, but unfortunately donkeys aren't classed as livestock. Um, so they were actually missed out of the government's emergency plan. Um, the Brook actually have a team based in Nairobi in Kenya. So we basically um, got together to launch an emergency appeal to raise just over £23,500 in order to be able to help 14,000 donkeys across Kenya um, so that was everything from providing water um, and hay to veterinary treatment but also fuel for like boreholes as well in which communities would go and actually get water for themselves and their donkeys and thankfully due to sort of the generosity and the dedication um, of our supporters we managed to raise that money in just over 10 days it's nice to see it's nice to see where the money's being spent but also I'm so proud of our horse hour community because they got really got behind this and they raised a lot of money for you. Now you have some really big names supporting the brook, don't you? You have Charlotte Desjardin, she's one of your is she a brand ambassador? That's amazing for us. Um not only is, you know, not only is Charlotte a really well-known equestrian, so obviously it allows us um, to obviously speak to sort of, you know, equestrians in the UK, but obviously, you know, off the back of um, her Olympic wins um, and obviously with the Legro as well, um, her support has, you know, it's really allowed us to tap um into new audiences which is great um charlotte mm. actually went over um to see brooks work in india um about a year and a half ago um so obviously she you know she she was out there and she visited um brick kilns and she went to an equine fair um which was great was a great experience obviously both for charlotte um to actually see the work that brooke does um with her own eyes but obviously it was great for us as well um because obviously you know sort of the content that we got um off the back of that trip really allowed us to sort of promote brook um in a new way that we actually hadn't done before so so yeah so having the support of charlotte um we've also um we've also got um richard waygood um who was obviously um chef to keep um of the olympic dressage team um and he's an, mm -hmm. he's an ambassador as well and he's supported the brook for a number of years now um so yeah so it's really it's really good and it's really nice for brook to actually have support you know of sort of top level um equestrians <laughs> here in the mm, yes yeah. 
How how did the brook start? Um, the brook actually started back in 1934. Um, so the brook was founded by a woman called Dorothy Brook, um, which is where we get our name from. She was actually was based out in Egypt in around the 1930s, um, and she basically, obviously, the you know the world World War One had just ended. Um, lots of lots of horses were actually used um, throughout World War One, um, but many of them were abandoned. Um, um, sort of across Africa, um, and many of these horses were either just, yeah, like I say, just turned out and just abandoned, or many of them were sold actually into hard labour. Um, so Dorothy Brooke was actually, you know, she was appalled to find sort of the hundreds of emaciated and worn out animals basically in desperate need of help. Um, so she mm-hmm. actually wrote a letter to the Morning Post, which um, late became the Daily Telegraph um, newspaper today, exposing their plight. Um, basically, it was brilliant because the public were so moved um, that they actually sent her the equivalent of £20,000 um, in today's money to actually help the suffering of these war horses. Um, wow. Yeah, so within three years, Dorothy Brooke actually purchased 5,000 ex-war horses, many of which were you know, old, exhausted, and actually had to be humanely put down. But obviously, thanks to her compassion, their lives ended peacefully, um, you know, rather than obviously just being left to suffer or whatever. And she actually set up, uh, she actually founded the Old War Horse Memorial Hospital in Cairo, which mm. later became the Brook Hospital for Animals. So, yeah, so our roots are very much, you know, due to the war horses that were actually involved in World War One and kind of the suffering um, towards the end that they had to endure. So, yeah, so that's where Brook started. <laughs> All those- what a lovely lady yeah. what a really really lovely lady and yeah. um, your, your Brook Hospital then where's that um so Brook Hospital um was actually the original name of Brook so the first hospital was actually based in Cairo the Brook itself doesn't actually have um hospitals anymore um just because obviously our work is more about being sustainable and obviously working with working with communities in that sort of sense. However, uh, many of the country programs, so for example, in Pakistan, actually have wayside stations. So it's basically almost like an NHS walk-in um, for horses, donkeys and mules where owners can take their, um, take their equines to obviously be treated, um, you know, by Brook staff or by Brook partners. Um, so, yeah, so we started off, obviously, based in Egypt back in 1934 with one hospital, and obviously now we've grown to operating in 11 countries around the world, funding projects in four. Um, we've obviously, you know, kind of, you know, uh, hundreds of people out there to actually um, help working horses, donkeys and mules. So, yeah, so the Brooks evolved <laughs> quite a lot. Over the last, yeah, it's evolved quite a lot over the last hundred years. Um Oh my gosh, she'd be so proud. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's all thanks to her that um, we started. So yeah. Is Is it a big team that you have there, Faye? Um, so in the UK, um, there's about 100 people um, who work at our head office um, in London. Um, so that's everyone from kind of um, the fundraising team. So obviously, um, you know, fundraising team, communications team, etc. Um, we've also got our service provision team here, um, animal welfare and our research team. So obviously, these are the guys that actually help our colleagues out in country um, to devise the best way for 
training um, and all that kind of thing. We have our advocacy team. Um, and then around the world, there's probably, I think there's around seven to 800 um, members of Brooks staff globally. And this is vets, animal welfare experts, um, advocacy and development specialists. Um, but we also work, obviously, with numerous kind of other smaller organizations actually out in country um, mm. who actually help us reach, you know, more animals, more owners and actually, you know, allows us to actually spread across um, a bigger distance. So, so yeah, so the, the brook is quite sizable, but obviously... Um, with the work, you know, with the need of um, working equines, we need a big team to be able to achieve it all. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and one of one of the big questions that is quite often asked when it comes to charities is the the, the percentage of the money raised. You know, what's the percentage that actually goes to helping the horses? But out of your appeal, all of it went to help them, didn't it? Yeah. So, um, and we were obviously with charities and kind of you know with data protection um and all that kind of thing it's really really important um for brook as a charity to be completely transparent with our supporters so um with the kenya appeal twenty three thousand six hundred, all of it went um directly to actually work on the ground any money that was actually raised over that amount um would still go directly to the kenya team um so yeah so it's really important for us to you know to obviously um, be incredibly transparent with our supporters about where their money is actually going and especially when it is an emergency appeal um, and the need is so great as it is currently in Kenya um, at the minute so yeah. <laughs> no that's really good it's, it's really nice it's nice to hear that and um, so, so the money you raised you know, £23,000 did you say it was? Uh, 23600 yeah. Okay so you raised you went, wow um, you raised a lot of money so you raised £23,600 <laughs> um, that went over to Kenya so how has that been helping the the horses donkeys and mules over there now the main kind of areas that our team are actually um working out in Kenya is obviously um it's water food and um veterinary treatment so obviously um there's there was cases of some donkeys weren't having and this is donkeys and their owners as well this isn't just you know this isn't just owners not wanting to um you know, give their donkeys water because there the literally, the literally isn't any. So um, we had cases come through of where donkeys weren't having a drink um, for up to three or four days um, just because there wasn't any water around. Um, food was incredibly scarce, so obviously, you know, lack of vegetation, um, the entire landscape's dry. We were hearing cases on the ground of where owners were actually having to feed um, their donkeys flour and tree bark um, because there was actually and there was actually nothing else um, to actually eat um, and then of suffering from dehydration and stuff like that then obviously donkeys become prone to sort of um, drought related diseases um, so the 23,600 has already been put into practice so the team out in Nairobi providing fuel for boreholes um, which obviously you know sort of big water pumps which actually provide um, communities with water they've been distributing hay um, and fodder and they've been given veterinary treatment so we're in the process at the minute of obviously of actually documenting you know the live updates that we're getting through um, and obviously letting our supporters know across Facebook Twitter and Instagram um, where their money has actually gone so mm. yeah so it's, it's, it's amazing <laughs> I think it's, it is amazing Faye and I think it's so important to, to note as well that these aren't just people that don't know how to look 
look after their horses. I know we talked earlier about educating, but this is also about people that want to help them. They love their animals and they really care for them as part of the family, but they don't have the the access. They don't have the water available to them. They just need a bit of help. Yeah, exactly. I mean, most of the welfare problems we actually encounter are are preventable. Um, so a lot of it is either um, lack of resources or lack of training. Um, obviously, with the example of Kenya, um, that was just, um, you know, that obviously that drought has hit um, absolutely everyone. Um, so, you know, it's it's humans as well as animals, um, you know, being affected. Um, obviously, when we work with communities, we make sure that we work um, with the wider community as well um, and obviously kind of instill the message that equines are you know, are an essential part of the community for the, you know, for the long term. Um, so we try and work with owners um, to obviously increase their skills in basic husbandry, for example, um, and first aid practices so that they can actually pr- not only manage welfare problems, but actually prevent them as well. Um, obviously kind of adjusting, um, you know, sort of beliefs about animals. So, um, you know, and kind of in- ensuring that all communities you know actually really understand the benefit of their working equines so obviously you know these working equines are literally the lifeline for many many you know for nearly 600 million people around the world actually rely on working equines not only to provide an income but then that income then goes to you know feed their families and send their children to school um, and pay for health care um, so yeah so uh, most of our work is very very you know is very community based like obviously we will still provide um direct veterinary treatment if and when we have to um but obviously in order to make um the future brighter for working equines it all has to come from within the communities because then if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Obviously, they'll pass that message, um, you know, from generation to generation. Yeah. Well, let, let's take an example. Let's take Stephen for an example. Stephen Kamiri, you can see him on your website if you go to thebrook.org. Um, what's lovely about Stephen is his 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 two donkeys are his friends. Um, I'm going to read this bit, Faye, because I, I do think it's important. Before I got these two friends of mine, the donkeys, I had no permanent job and no job security. Now I wake up every day, take the donkeys to the river and get money. I've gone far and taken my children to secondary school. I've also bought my own plot, so I know I will always have somewhere to live. And I just think that is... Oh, it's... It, there isn't even a word that explains it. Yeah. It's so key to a lot of people that are struggling and that are wanting to use the animals for to help for work so that they can have a better life, so that they can then better their children's life and, 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 and have a future. And they want to look after their horses and their donkeys and their mules. And by having your education, you're also giving people a future. Yeah, indeed. That's a really lovely story, actually. Um, And it's, you know, it's really, really heartwarming um, for us in the UK to obviously get, um, you know, to hear sort of case studies um, like that out from the field. Um, And it's a great way as, you know, obviously, um, with people such as Stephen, he'll then be able to obviously pass on um, what he's learned, you know, to his community as well. So obviously, that animal welfare message um, keeps on going. And that's Mm. obviously, um, that's obviously really key to be able, um, you know, to reach as many working equines as possible. (laughs) Well, you've seen firsthand the type of traumas that the the animals are going through, the equines are going through, um, because you recently took a trip with the brook, didn't you? Can you tell us about it? Yeah, I did. Um, So back in um, December last year, I was actually lucky enough to actually go to Pakistan um, with Brooks. So this was, it was my first trip out to one of the country programs. It was actually quite of a, like, it was quite a big deal for me. Like, obviously, it'd be be a big deal for anyone. Um, (laughs) But I'd, I'd never actually been outside of Europe before so it was really you know, yeah wow. so the, the furthest I'd ever been was Turkey and then it was from Turkey straight to Pakistan um but it yeah it was amazing it was really really eye-opening um it was really humbling to actually um see the work that the brook do overseas because obviously um when you're sat in London at the HQ and you're you know, and you're raising money and you're talking to supporters on a day-to-day basis, obviously, you know, kind of the resources that we call on are, you know, photos and images and, you know, accounts from other members of staff and case studies, but it's completely different actually going out there and seeing the work um, firsthand. So, yeah, it was an amazing experience and, you know, it was some, you know, some of the stuff that we I saw was, you know, was really upsetting, um, but on the flip side of it, just sort of, um, the way that the Brook Pakistan team are actually, um, you know, working with owners and working within communities such as the Brick Kilns and just kind of the owners themselves. And, you know, I, there was a couple of points where I got a chance to chat to some owners and, you know, ask them sort of the benefits of that they'd seen working from Brook. And that was great to be able to actually hear firsthand from owners who, you know, have said that their relationship with their, um, you know, horses, donkeys and mules has improved, um, you know, from the Brook and 
you know just sort of the different skills that they've picked up and yeah it was amazing it was absolutely it was it was, it was a hard trip but yeah it was mm. really really worthwhile <laughs> what about the trip affected you the most um I would say to be completely honest just I know I know I know it sounds I know it sounds really typical of when people are like oh so you know what did you learn when you went traveling or whatever um but probably just kind of the culture shock and the difference um you know kind of the difference in lifestyle that we have here over in the mm. UK versus you know um to the lives that some people have in Pakistan so um for example one of the days that I actually went out there we went to a brick kiln um I got talking to this wonderful 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 woman um who uh, I think she was only about 34 35 um she'd been working in the brick kiln um ever since she was eight nine years old her family before her had worked in the brick kiln as well um and she was amazing and she she was like do you want to have a go at making a brick which I did which I was awful at um but she <laughs> was just sort of you know she was explaining um that her and her family will aim to make a thousand bricks a day um in order to actually you know earn money to be able to feed themselves and send their children to school um but the really touching thing about that was that she um actually had a mule um, or her family had a mule that they obviously would work with in the brick kiln and she was just sort of saying the stuff that she's learned from um, the Brooks community sessions have been really really beneficial so for example um, you know how to look after wounds so sometimes unfortunately sometimes um, the harnesses and the tack that is actually available um, to owners overseas you know is very ill-fitting or it won't fit um, you know it won't fit the horse or the equine properly so obviously they end up with sort of harness wounds from the rubbing um, so she'd actually learned you know how how to make sure that the harness fit properly and how to treat that wound so yeah so it was I'd say probably kind of it was a huge culture shock but at the same time it was amazing to see the actual relationship um that people have with their equines overseas because obviously you know compared to obviously we do have working horses in the UK and you know um you know sort of sports horses or police horses or whatever um but obviously over there it's a completely different you know sort of work type and it's you know it's vital it literally is vital for people's survival um to be able to work together with their equines and make sure that their equines are in good health so yeah probably probably <laughs> Faye it, it breaks my heart when I hear you talk and I hear think of that little girl and I think of that little donkey and and the pain that they're going through and I have I'm always always stuck between two places. I think one should should they be being used as working animals? If 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 the facilities and resources aren't available, should they be used at all? And then the other half of me thinks, well, without them, they're saving those families as well because those families are, are being able to feed themselves, they're being able to go to school and do everything that you just said. So it really is the most difficult moral decision i think to know which way is the right way yeah i'm sure i'm sure because because if i went i think it's so admirable what you what you've done and, and what brooke are doing and i i fear that if i was to ever go there i would just want to take them all home <laughs> i don't think i'd be able to to leave and i think i'd probably pick up a lot of families that i just want to send money to but it's so much bigger than that the problem is so much bigger yeah and how do you 
I get I get the helping and the educating and the growing and that's brilliant but things like ill-fitting saddles and and painful backs and dragging those bricks and those girls having to make those bricks every day it just breaks my heart yeah it's I it's it is a really really difficult situation I mean one of one of the most common questions that we actually get asked um, on social media is why don't owners use say vehicles instead or you know mechanized equipment um, and it's just unfortunately in many cases vehicles are actually beyond the financial reach of the poor um, so you know not only are they difficult to acquire and difficult to maintain but they're also exceptionally difficult to repair in developing countries as well and it's incredibly costly so obviously over here, for example, um, if somebody's car breaks down, you can phone AA or um, Green Flag, you know, and somebody's there within half an hour off, you know, fix your car and off you go and on, you know, and not, you're on your way. Um, but unfortunately, it, that's just not the case Um you know, in countries such as Pakistan, where so many people are actually living um, below the, the poverty line, um, mm. actually getting access to vehicles is becoming more and more costly. And obviously, as the cost continues to rise, more people are actually um, turning to working animals instead. Um, obviously, um, I guess another big sort of factor to consider is obviously that many of these communities um, have worked with equines for generate you know hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years. I mean, it wasn't that long ago um, that the UK stopped having working equines, you know, sort of like pit ponies, um, obviously going down the mines, um, farm horses and stuff like that. Um, so it's you know working equines isn't actually that far away in our own um, history in the UK, um, but unfortunately it's just it's kind of the only means of way of survival that some of these communities actually have um, around the world. So it, it is a really, really difficult sort of situation. Um, but, and of, you know, it was difficult for me as well, um, actually going to Pakistan and, you know, seeing some of the things that I saw and, you know, just kind of the environment and the situation that's not only affecting, you know, not only um, affecting horses, donkeys, and mules but actually affecting the people as well so it's I'm just really proud that you know I get to work for an organization that is making a difference you know in in the ways that we are so so yeah <laughs> it's oh, really babe, <laughs> I think it's incredible what you're doing and I think you're really lucky to be able to firsthand go and help help the people and help the equines and um like I said before is is that it's totally admirable there's just such a big fight and I think that it's very easy for us to sit in our in our ivory towers in the UK and and have opinions and say well you know we wouldn't do it like this over here well we're really lucky over here yeah <laughs> and um, we have we have that you know we're a good country that overall has you know we have our issues too but you can't even compare that you can't even compare the two situations they're incomparable yeah. so it's our duty to help you as much as we can and support you and um and, and again thank you to everybody who donated for the for the 10-day campaign um or for raising that for the Kenya yeah campaign. it's amazing <laughs> so how can we donate to you Faye? Yeah, so um, there's actually, there's lots and lots of ways um, that people can get involved um, with Brooke. Um, so it's everything from, you know, just setting up um, or, 
setting up a direct debit or giving a one-off donation. Um, we actually have um, lots of different ways that people can fundraise for us. So everything, um, everything from you know doing a sponsored dog walk um, to doing a sponsored run. Um, we've actually just launched um, a new campaign, which actually hopefully might be of interest um, to horse our listeners and tweeters, um, called My Hackathon. Um, so we're actually what we're encouraging or asking people to do um, is to basically get out and hack their horses in order to help other vulnerable horses um, around the world. So the challenge that we've set um, we're asking people to ride 100 miles in 100 days um, to raise £100. Um, riders can either take part alone um, and ride the 100 miles or share the distance with friends. Um, so obviously, if there's a group of you that um, would go hacking together, um, then you can obviously split up um, the mileage between you. Um, and it's basically by jumping back into the saddle, um, you know, it's you get to help um, horses, vulnerable horses and donkeys and mules over overseas um you know by actually going out and enjoying um a hack of your own really um mm. so yeah what so, a lovely idea and, yeah. and that's hash, hashtag my hackathon yeah so um if people want to find out more about that um it's literally if you just head to our website which is www.thebrook.org forward slash my hackathon um and it's basically you know by getting out on your horse and riding you're making a difference um for horses overseas so that's kind of mm. um that's our kind of new big fundraising campaign um, for summer. Um, so yeah, so it's a really exciting time for Brooke at the minute. <laughs> oh, I'm so pleased for you. So we can stay up to date by following you on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Twitter is at the Brook. Um, you can find us on Facebook as well, um, which is facebook.com forward slash the Brook Charity. Um, we're also on Instagram, um, just at the Brook Charity. Um, but if obviously if nobody... Um, caught those links then if you literally just go to our website which is www.thebrook.org then all of the links to our social media um, are on the bottom as well as different ways um, that you can find out what the brook's up to and actually um, raise funds for working equines overseas and take part in hashtag my hackathon thank yes you, thank you so much for joining us today no problem thank you so much for having me <laughs> you're very welcome see you bye bye Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Tomorrow is such a huge day. It's Nick Roldan's inaugural Sunset Polo Party. And the best news of all is there's huge celebrity riders are going to be there. William Fox Pitt is swapping saddles with Nick Roldan. I mean, we know William's a hero. We know he can do everything. But can he do polo? Well, we'll find out tomorrow. I'll be there from first thing in the morning. And then at 1.15, pop this in your diary, I'll be broadcasting a Facebook Live and a Periscope Live with Nick Roldan and William Fox Pitt on the saddle swapping. So I hope you managed to sneak out of lunch to uh, to watch that. Facebook Live, Periscope Live, Nick and William Fox Pitt. It's going to be such a great day. There's loads of celebrity riders going. Scott Brash is going to have a go at polo. There'll be a masterclass on polo. Monty Roberts is going to be there. And it's all raising money for the Brook and Chestnut Treehouse. So Nick's inaugural Sunset Polo Party is tomorrow evening. 
at Cowdray House in West Sussex. If you'd like to come down, then you can buy some tickets. Uh, just head to Nick's website, nickroldan.com. I'd really, really love to see you there. And just to add to the excitement and the craziness of the day, Jeep is doing four by four off-road days. So I know I'm a girl and I am really sometimes a real girly girl, but I think I might have a girl off-roading because I used to own a Jeep years ago and I loved it. It was so much fun. So hopefully these guys can give me a few tips and I'll film everything for you so you don't have to miss out. I do hope you get to sneak out at lunch, watch the Facebook Live with Nick and William at quarter past one on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can catch up with all previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website, horsehour.co.uk. Loads of footage there from Bowlsworth International. It was really good this weekend and also previous events that we've been to. I hope you've had a good week with your horse. It's super busy at the moment because the summer season's here. Do let me know what you've been up to. I'm at Amy Stevenson 1 Horse Hours at Horse Hour and I will speak to you tomorrow. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter Mondays 8pm UK time 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.